You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. And now time for the Classic Car Show with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber. Good morning and welcome to the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. And we're missing our uh, Mr. Weber today, but uh, we've got Steve Ronaldo at the round table. And we've got a very, very interesting special guest on today, Mr. James Dunst from... He is from Bell Performance, uh, which is, uh, the more I found out about him, the the more interesting it got, and the more I got to talk with James before the show, and uh, a couple of days ago, the more, I just, I know this is going to be a fantastic show. James, welcome to our classic car show on America's Web Radio. Thank you, and good morning. Hi, James. This is Steve. How are you doing? Good. Very good. Well, let's uh, we we are looking at your bio. We got about a hundred million things we can discuss. You've I, mean, had, I think we'll just go on all weekend. We just yeah, do you, that, turn you, this into uh, a marathon. You, you've had a, a very interesting career in all kinds of facets of the the car industry. Yeah, a lot of people say I'm not old enough to do all of that. <laughs> I'm old enough to have done it, but I didn't. <laughs> Well, in my case, I'm not finished yet. Oh, well, I have the best job I've ever had now, and that's being retired. So I have a lot of time to to, to play hobby. Well, why stuff. don't we start at the at the start? As a matter of fact, what what got you into cars, James? Well, kind of uh, funny. Back uh, in the '60s, my father bought me a twenty-five dollar Ford Fairlane. Uh, and this thing, when you poured the oil in the top, it ran out the bottom as fast as you put it in the top. So right away, I go to work, and I pull the engine out. I got a chain hoist and pull the engine out from a tree, and and I'm going to repair this thing. And I had no idea what I was doing. I figured, well, I'll learn as I go. And it's kind of funny because I had the cylinder heads off when I put them back on. Some uh, friend of mine said, well, you got to torque those things. And I said, well, what is torque? Yeah, and he said, "I ah, don't worry about it." He said, "Put a breaker on it, a breaker bar on it, and pull it until your ears pop." Unfortunately, the bolts popped before my ears did. But uh, that's how I got started. And I ended up <laughs> in after-school jobs working in an auto repair shop. Which, uh, uh, after I graduated from high school, I served a three-year apprenticeship in auto mechanics, and that, that kicked it off. You know, it's a shame you mentioned something. The the uh, the kids and the, the students they. They don't do that kind of stuff anymore, apprentice and, you know, taking time to start at the bottom and, and learn the trade. It's just, they just don't do that stuff anymore, and I think that's well, a big mistake. Well, there, there's some good reasons for that. And as you see on my bio, I, I ran a nationwide, I managed a nationwide auto repair competition for high school kids. The problem is, when they, when they started turning service stations into bread marts and milk, where you buy milk and bread, the service was gone. So you didn't have those after-school jobs where the young people got their interest. Plus, the automotive programs in the high schools are going away. Yes. Most automotive teachers did not go to college to be an automotive instructor. They were a former service manager, a former uh, auto repair shop owner. And the, the equipment is expensive, the liability is high, and what's happening is as these instructors go away, or as they retire, the program goes away. 
So it's that's uh, a good part of the problem. Yeah, and the 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 interest, as you know, it, it it's hard to get kids today interested. They'd rather do computer stuff, and and because I know you're probably like everybody that's here. Yeah, the day you were old enough to get your driver's license, you were the first one in line at the driver's license office. You know, <laughs> and and kids today, a lot of them. Well, I don't even care if I ever have a car. So it's it's com- completely completely different. Plus, I see you. You know, you did like I did a lot of stuff with manufacturers, and and uh, even in dealerships now, they that uh, most of the companies have gone to online training. They don't have a lot of tech training at facilities dedicated facilities anymore that's that's sort of becoming a another days gone by deal in the car industry you know my high school and i think uh, james you and i talked about it just a little bit but my high school had a fan they had two shops one was a wood shop one was for learning how to do all the stuff with wood but the other was a car shop and i can remember Many, many people would sign up to get their car serviced if they had a problem. Absolutely. And uh, they got a fair price on it, and kids learned. And and it it wasn't the instructor coming up with, well... Okay, play like this car has a carburetor problem. It was it was real problems coming into the shop that the kids had to diagnose and and fix, and um, it was. I, I'm I'm pretty dumb, I'll, I'll admit, but I I can't figure out why they did away with it because it was a very very successful program. Now, granted, that was uh, <laughs> something over 50 years ago, but uh, still, it, it was a it was a great program. It benefited kids, and it also benefited the uh, yeah the, the public. Yeah. Just the interest, well, I, I would think. Well, the, the the problem is finding automotive instructors. Because to give you a, a few statistics, half the technicians that are working right now are over the age of 45. They can all retire with the baby boomers. And there's only two to three young people entering the profession for every 10 that are leaving. And as I said before, most of these instructors, uh, they were former service managers or they had a auto repair shop and uh, they ended up teaching. But there's not as many anymore. And what I saw running that nationwide program, as soon as the instructor retired, the program usually went away. That's a huge part of the problem. Yeah, it, it is. And, and fortunately for for us involved in the antique car hobby, there are several nationwide institutions that uh, post-secondary that are, are getting uh, building the interest and in getting people involved in the antique car repair uh, stuff like McPherson out in Kansas and Alfred in New York and Penn College and Ball State. There's a few that are offering degrees in automotive restoration. Or you know, where would we get stuff? Where will where would people with old cars go in in, in the near future? You well, wonder, uh, Jim you, or uh, James, you've you've acknowledged the problem. Can the problem be fixed? I I don't think in the short term that it's going to be fixed. And one of the reasons, too, is the guidance counselors in these schools, you know, they get graded on how many uh, young people they send off to college. Nobody is encouraging, or very few people are encouraging, young people to pursue 
a, um, a field of auto repair. It, 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 they're, everyone feels like to be a success, you have to go to college. And the, the fact is, right now, most of the really good-paying jobs are in the uh, trades. Yeah, hands-on. Uh, whether it be mechanics or, or uh, carpenters or machinists. Uh, welders, that are, welders that are making six figures coming out of welding school? Absolutely. Yeah, these guys, we've had them all on, and I've been on advisory councils for several of these post-secondary institutions. The kids that are in, like, juniors, uh, they're hired. They're, when they're a junior, they have a job waiting for them when they graduate the following year, and uh, many job offers. So they have a, you know, especially in the antique car stuff. They, uh, there's a lot, and I, I think some of the, the schools are missing the boat, not, not trying to get kids into this to say anything about helping the hobby go, go along, too, uh, uh, with, with, you know, continuing on with some of these, these skilled, skilled deals here. Um, so let's get to talk a little bit about some of your background in antique car stuff. I, uh, I saw you were working, uh, you've done some stuff, you're a member of the AACA and Horses Carriage, and or Model T Club. You have a, what, what kind of cars do you have? Do you have any old cars yourself? Well, I, I had a 1917 Model T. What I wanted to do is to build a, a 17 was the first IMT, and I had a, a serial number of October of 1916, and that was something that I did. But to give you a little background, I was a fleet manager for a, a company here in Florida. It was a citrus company, and the owner collected antique cars. He had about 125 different vehicles. And uh, I worked there for about seven years, and he had a couple of guys that were working on cars, but they never turned out a car. So he, he called me in one day, and he said, James, he says, I need you to find me an outside restoration shop. I want to go to a show. So I asked him, I said, you know, I said, can I do this for you? Can I hire who I need to hire? Can I purchase the equipment? Let me build a car for you. And he said, okay, go for it. And uh, the first car that we did, it was a 1919 Hanson, and uh, you'll appreciate this. It was the only car built south of the Mason-Dixon line. It was built in Atlanta, Georgia, and there's only two of them left in the world. Uh, one of them's in Stone Mountain. I, I think it's still there. He's it's gone. Museum. Yeah, no, he's gone. Oh, oh he's gone. And yeah. the other one is here, but uh, it took us eight months to build that car. I, built, I hired a guy out of Georgia to do painting. I hired a guy out of uh, Ohio to do the woodwork, because, you know, most of those old cars had a lot of wood. And I hired a guy out of Tennessee, an old-timer, who did the uh, interior work. And it took us eight months. We took the car to Cypress Gardens, and we got Best of Show and got a national first place. And it got three more nationals, and then after that it was nominated for the AACA Cup, and it won that, which I would never, ever have thought that we would get that far. And uh, that's where my interest started. So it, because I was in charge of this uh, restoration shop, I wanted to do something so that when I went up to Carlisle, if I went up to Hershey, not only was I looking for things for the guy that I worked for, but I was looking for things for myself, which made it a lot more interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, you picked a good one to, to do stuff with, a Model T. It's probably one of the one of the easier ones because there's a lot of stuff available for T's that, that, that are out there, lots of stuff. What I was amazed at is how crude they are. <laughs> they yes. went for so many miles. Yeah, and the tee that I purchased it was uh, uh, it had a title of a 1918, and it had a steering wheel of a 14. It had headlights, four headlights of a 15. It had a body of an 18, and it had an engine and drivetrain from a 26. 
And everything so, fits. It all fits. Everything fits. So yeah. I went to work selling. I decided I'm going to build this 17. So I went to work and sold a lot of the parts and got what I needed to uh, build a 17, and that's what I did. Yeah, that that's the nice thing about Model Ts and Model As. If, I, if people ask me all the time, well, I want to get into the old car hobby, and you know, they'll I'll ask them, "What do you mean? If that if they want pre-war stuff, you can't beat a Model T or Model A. You just everything is there. You can, <laughs> it all fits." Well, they say there's about fifty thousand of them still on the road, and what amazed what amazed me in traveling around the Hershey and Carlisle and different places is no matter what vehicle you have, someone has parts for it. You just have to find them. Yeah, which totally amazed me the stuff that we were able to come up with. Yeah, a car like a Hanson or that kind of stuff is 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 really hard. That that's a difficult thing, and a lot of stuff does have to be made for things like that. Uh, well, the advantage we had on the Hanson is it was a pretty complete car. Was it? Uh, yeah, it was a complete car. And the other thing that to make that, and I'm sure you are a judge, what you can appreciate this is when there's only two of them, you can say ours is right and ours is wrong. You know, it it, <laughs> it just comes down to workmanship. And uh, But I was I was really surprised that we had won that. I, I was very proud of that. Well, it's it's quite an accomplishment. When you win a, a national award in, in AACA competition, uh, I was just a, a, a judge in a concour here, and it's completely different because AACA is all originality. It's it's There's no fudge factor points it's just straight up originality and workmanship not not some of this other other kind of stuff james i'm going to have to break in here and we're going to have to take our first break on america's web radio on the classic car show so we'll be back with james dunce right after this my name is kyle hayes a motorsports student at alfred state college every year alfred state students compete in the great race which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles as you can imagine it's pretty costly i'm asking for your help Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio with Mr. James Dunst from Bell Performance Incorporated. And uh, we were just talking to James about, obviously, Bell is the helmets and all of the yes, you know, safety well, equipment. The safety equipment. Uh, is that right, uh, James? <laughs> yes. And, and I get that question all the time. They either ask me if I work for Bell Helicopter or Bell Helmets. I told my boss, I said, what you need to do is take out a line of helmets so I can say yes, but then I'll say, well, we also sell fuel uh, additives also. But 
to give you a little background on Bell, Bell is is 108 years old. They are the original producers of fuel additives in the United States. They produced an additive for Henry Ford for the Model T in 1909. But they've been here a long time, and you don't hear a lot about them because through the years they were mainly a, a commercial-grade product. They sold to city, county, and government fleets. But then the employees of these fleets started using the products and realized that they work. And in the day of ethanol, which is a huge problem, uh, Bell has the uh, product. And, and I'm sure that your listeners are going to need something like this because on these old cars, you can't go to AutoZone and pick up a, a part for a 1919 Hanson. you got to protect what you have. And they have a product that actually prevents ethanol from damaging their fuel systems. Well, all right. Well, what? How? How? How does it do that? Everybody knows that ethanol gas uh, uh, starts absorbing water, and you get all the deterioration. And the ethanol det- attacks the rubber. We have you know, guys that are old cars. So, so what does this product do? Well, even what's its name? I don't even know what its name is. So. It's called it's called uh, ethanol defense, and uh, the ethanol. Yes, it does. It deteriorates the hoses. It, it, it absorbs water. You cannot eliminate the ethanol because the ethanol is a good part of the octane in the gasoline now. You can only counteract the negative effects of ethanol. And the one, the biggest one that affects the classic car owners is the corrosion factor because ethanol is highly corrosive. And it does absorb water. Ethanol can, uh, E10 gasoline will suspend, uh, two teaspoons of water per gallon. And after that, it'll go through what they call phase separation. When that happens, the, the alcohol has absorbed all the water that it can. It combines together and falls to the bottom of the tank. And when that happens, you've just stripped your gasoline of its octane. And now you have the problem, especially on the older cars, because they have no way to correct you know, timing, you have the uh, pre-ignition problem, and, and that can cause damage. Yeah, you know, it was funny, we were just on the, and we were talk more, we'll talk about the Glidden Tour and your involvement a little later, but it was funny out in Nebraska, every gas station in, in, in the Midwest has non-ethanol gas. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's really weird. Uh, you know, they, almost every gas station has non-ethanol gas because of the farm equipment, the older farm equipment that the guys use. So that was kind of that was kind of cool. Here it's hard to find, and I don't know if it's I don't know if it's hard to find where you are, but the new stations that are being built around here all, all have uh, non-ethanol gas uh, pumps. So well, there is a website. There is a website that you can go to, and it has state by state. It'll list city by city all the stations that sell non-ethanol. But I have to give you something on this non-ethanol. There is a problem, and the problem comes in when you mix non-ethanol with ethanol gasoline. The non-ethanol in most of the country still has the old octane called MTBE in it, and that was eliminated and replaced with ethanol, but the non-ethanol still has it. The problem is when you mix the two in the same tank, there's a chemical reaction between the ethanol and the, non- and the uh, MTBE, and it makes a brown, gooey substance that plugs up everything. The problem is there's no additive that prevents it, and there's none that fixes it. If that happens to you, you have to disassemble the whole fuel system and clean it out. Yeah, especially if you if it sits, and that happens be after you know you guys guys don't follow the right procedures when they put their car away for the winter. Here we're fortunate; we don't have to. We can drive them year round. But up north, well, where they put them away for months, boy, in the spring it ain't going nowhere. Well, this ethanol defense 
it actually has a lubricant that coats the parts and keeps them from corroding, protects them against corrosion. The other thing that it does, if there is any moisture in there, it'll suspend it, and it'll suspend more water and prevent it from going quickly into phase separation. So hopefully you'll burn it in the engine before it sinks to the bottom. But it's a good product. It works very well. And uh, I don't know of a single person using it that has an issue. And this is really good for small equipment, too. If you have lawn equipment, you have weed whackers, chainsaws, anything like that, uh, when, where it's seasonal, you put them up. Uh, the ethanol will actually dissolve the aluminum in the carburetor. Yes. What the, tech, you know, what the mechanics find when they disassemble them, they'll find this white powder. It's actually aluminum oxide with dissolving it. And it'll destroy the carburetor just sitting there. And, and where do you get your products? Where, where do you all, who are uh, your major distributors? You know, the, the best place to get it is online. We have a, a website, bellperformance.com, uh, and all of that's available on there. Plus, all the different articles on ethanol and diesel and just about anything you can think about related to fuel is on that site. Uh, it, it's an excellent, excellent resource, but it's bellperformance.com. And that's their main thing that they 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 sell is this uh, uh, produce and sell is the, the the ethanol gas treatment. Well, the ethanol defense is just one of the products. They actually have three different gas products. They have a product called Mixago that's been around since 1927. That basically does the same thing, but it has less ability to deal with water. But on modern day cars, when you fill that tank, you vent all the humidity and air out of the tank, and then when you put that cap on, it's sealed. So you don't have the air humidity in contact with the fuel. But then they have another product called Marine MXL. Marine MXL is basically the same uh, basic product, but it has more ability to suspend water. And ethanol defense has seven times more ability than Marine MXO to do that. But they also have a full line of diesel. Diesel has a lot of problems now uh, because it went to ultra-low sulfur diesel. Yeah, the DEF and 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 all that stuff, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, that that's good. Good to know. So, uh, uh, I I'm gonna have I I've not I've not heard not used this stuff, uh, and I'll take a look at the the website and and get some and give it a try, and and see what happens. Well, if I could say one other thing, a lot of the products that are on the market, there's a lot of additives on the market that don't work, and you have to be very careful because a lot of the attitudes use alcohol. Now, you're not going to fix an alcohol problem by adding more alcohol. Exactly. So, so you have to be careful on that. And there's like 10 different names for alcohol. Um, and I'm not going to name the products, but uh, the thing that Bell does differently uh, is they put their money in the products. Uh, the other companies, they put their money in advertising. It's very expensive. I, I looked into that route. And what you end up with is no money left to put in the product. And that's why Bell products work. Uh, there's about 4,500 additives on the market right now. There's only about 25 of them that do what they claim. There's only three commercial grade, and Bell Performance is one of the commercial grades. Yeah, you're right, because when we were doing this stuff a while back, we had the, the uh, uh, who I can't remember who it was, but one of the people we had on guest was said, said the same thing. You don't... He said, "Look at the look at the the label of any of this stuff you buy," and and he gave the the numbers the the names of the stuff that's alcohol. And he said, "Well, hi, you can't fix alcohol by adding more, and there's not a lot of them so uh, that are that are doing or do what they're supposed to do. There just isn't a lot." Well, anyone can research these products. 
they have what they call a material data safety sheet. The EPA re- requires that on every product. Yes. And you can go and Google and say, you know, can I mix MTBE with ethanol? And you'll find all kinds of stuff on that. Or you can say, give me the MSDS sheet on a certain product. And it will give you, in most cases, a good part of what's in there. Okay. Um, not everything. But some of the most popular products out there are 95% NAFTA. They're only 5% of whatever they call their additive. How many people walking down the street would know that? Not too many. No, not, not too, too many, many, because they don't so, care. So is it uh, is this something that uh, a new car owner, should they use your product in, in defense, as a matter of fact? Well, absolutely. And, and another thing that it does, you know, one of the claims is it improves mileage. Well, you're not going to find products that are going to increase mileage over what the EPA rating is. But what it does... There's three components in the car that actually degrade your mileage. When your injectors get dirty, when your O2 sensor gets dirty, and when your EGR valve gets dirty. When those things start to get dirty, then your mileage starts to drop. If you can clean those up, you can bring your mileage back to about where it was when it was new. On a new vehicle, it prevents them from backsliding and and that uh, happening. But there's so many products out there that say we're going to give you 50% more mileage. And they don't do that. I worked temporarily for the EPA to AAA out of the Ann Arbor test lab. And I can tell you that you're not going to get what they get because they do it on a dyno. They use pure gas, and, and they have no wind load on the front of the vehicle. Uh, but it's a good way to go ahead and compare one vehicle to the other. But uh, very seldom are you ever going to reach that EPA rating. No, so, that's so true. So once you use it in a new car, do you have to continue to use it, or can you do every fifth fill up or every you know and, and this let me let me throw out something else that, that i've found and maybe it's because of uh, my uh, gray matter or something but i always find the instructions on the back of the the can the label or whatever it is uh, can be very confusing uh <laughs> You know, put two drops in if you use a gallon and three quarters. Put four drops in. You know, I mean, it, it, it's like I'm not a chemist. I, I'm just a poor old consumer that's trying to protect my car or, or my equipment or whatever. So can you give us a little something on that? Well, one thing I learned is you can have the absolutely best product unless you use it in the right way and in the right uh, tree rate. And what you have to understand on treat rate is, is products that actually work, work in the area of parts per million. Uh, the ethanol defense has a treat rate of one, part, uh, one ounce per 10 gallons. Now, that doesn't sound like much, but they work in, in the area of, of uh, parts per million. And uh, your question about, well, should I use this every time? Yes, it's really cheap to use it every time because in most cases, if you have a 20-gallon gas tank, you're going to use two ounces. And it keeps everything clean and, and uh, running good. The other thing it has has stabilizer in it. And a lot of people don't understand what stabilizer is. Uh, fuel degrades over time. It, it rots because it's organic. What stabilizers do is change it chemically so that it doesn't deteriorate as quickly. Now, in a classic car, if you're storing it over winter, that's something you really need to have in your tank. Okay, let me ask you something. You're the fuel expert. Uh, not that long ago, I pulled into a station, and the tanker was there filling up their the, the station tanks. And he had just finished filling them up, and he gets something out of his cab. And while the hole is open for the tank, 
he pours the questionable something into that tank. So whatever he poured in there is going into cars eventually. What was he putting in? I don't even know if it's, I don't know. How, how big is a filling station tank? Oh, big. It depends on what the uh, size is. They, they go all the way up to 20,000 gallons. Okay, so uh, let's say it was a 10,000 gallon. What's he pouring in there? You know, I'm not sure, but I can tell you this, that most additives, including ethanol, they're not added at the refinery. They're no. added at the distributor level. Yes. Uh, because sure. if, they were, if they were at the finer, refinery, they would cause damage to the piping. They would pick up water along the way. So it's added at the uh, at the uh, distributor. But uh, uh, something you got to watch out for, when you, you just jog my memory here. Uh, when you're in a gas station and you have a tanker... Uh, putting fuel in that tank they do a gravity feed they drop a thousand gallons at a time and what that does pickups in the tanks are usually about uh, four inches off the bottom that stirs up everything on the bottom of the tank and every tank has rust in it uh some of them will have uh, uh corrosion and some of them will have microbe issues and that stuff gets stirred up well at that point it's possible to get that up the pipes and into your tank and they used to have if you remember they used to have a i forget what company it was they called it a final filter and it was in the in the gas hose, and they kept taking the filters out of those because it kept getting plugged up. Huh. But yeah. uh, I have no idea what he was putting in right there. It's possible if it was a diesel tank that they were adding a biocide uh, to uh, take care of the uh, microbe issue. But on the gasoline, I don't see any. I don't know of anything that they would be adding. Have no idea, and I, and I didn't rush over and ask him what he was didn't doing. Ask but, him, huh? uh, I just thought it was very, I'd never seen that before where they added something after filling the, the tank. And uh, I assume it was gasoline. Well, in fact, I know it had to be gas because this station doesn't sell diesel. So it had to be something well, that he was adding to the. Do you remember that lady that was on that did the test equipment for the government, the test packages? And she said you, one of the things to look for when you buy gas is the delivery. If, if you're like, if you're in a shell station. And you see a shell truck come in, they're shell employees. They'll be a little more careful than Bob's trucking service. And remember she said around here they found uh, testing, government found testing, over 40% alcohol. Because these guys just don't, they don't care as much. Well, well, and like Atlanta, we have a situation where over in Doraville, you yeah. have the major... Doraville and, and Austell, <laughs> and yeah, millions. About 90% of the, the filling stations get their gas from the same major tank. Uh, I don't know, you know, you may be... I, I'm not arguing about yeah. Shell or something like that. Yeah, but I don't no, know. that's what she said. Use, brand, use the delivery service. And remember, she said Quick Trip has been the most consistent around here. So it, it's an issue, well, and, you know, uh, there's a lot of aspects involved in this. We well, need to, uh, uh, James, I hate to interrupt you, but we've got to take uh, a second break. Uh, sure. We've got to pay for this thing some way or the other. We'll be back right after this. Whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. 
Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about anti-car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio with Mr. Steve Ronaldo in-house. Jim Weber's out. I don't know what Jim's doing. He's uh, he's working, I think, in Florida. I in Florida? Think. I, or no, in Houston. I think he's in Houston doing a dealer audit for a few Oh, days. no. He's not doing any dealer audit. He's auditing grandchild. Yeah. That's well, I don't know. No, I'm just teasing. Anyway, well, Jim, if you're listening in, uh, uh, Steve's holding down your chair. He's got one foot in your chair and one foot in his chair, and he's holding them down well. So, uh, anyway, we miss Mr. Weber. I think he should be back uh, maybe next week. But we've got James Dunson from Bell Performance Incorporated. And from what uh, I've learned from James today and uh, the last couple of days, Everybody that owns a car, owns a weed eater, owns a tractor, owns a anything, needs to go to bellperformance.com, check them out, check their additives out, and start using it. So, where do we go from here, James? Let me let me talk a little bit about, uh, and, and I'm sure your listeners with the classic cars would be interested in this, the concentration of ethanol in the fuel that you're getting, uh, there, there's a... There's cheating going on and there's errors going on. And where it would affect a classic car owner is the higher the alcohol content or ethanol content, the more chances that you're going to have a vapor lock situation because the ethanol evaporates quicker than the gasoline. And there's testers available. You mentioned tester a minute ago. It's actually done with water. It's a water tester that drags the ethanol out of the gasoline get come up with the percentage. But to, to give you an idea, I have one good example. There's a city here that uh, they have an underground tank, 10,000 gallons, and I tested their fuel, and it was it was E16, or 16% ethanol. And their contract read 10%, but the higher your ethanol content, the lower your mileage is going to be because ethanol has 25% less uh, energy than gasoline. But in, the, in their case, if they lost one more mile per gallon, which they probably lost more than that, uh, that would mean 10,000 miles for that tank. And when I did the math on it, uh, they actually spent an additional $1,900 uh, they lost in mileage. And the reason, or, or the way that this happens is ethanol is cheaper than gasoline. So if you're a dishonest distributor, uh, you could add additional alcohol. You charge the end user the same amount. They wouldn't know the difference uh, in it. But, uh, you know, I tell them all, I says, uh, get a tester, test it. Uh, they don't, you don't have to do it every time. They just need to think you are. Hmm. Yeah, the, the uh, uh, there's a lot of talk floating around the hobby and stuff and other other sources that uh, ethanol gas is uh, going away. And I think one of the first states that was talking about doing away with ethanol, making it mandatory, was Florida. I know there was a, some legislation going through the uh, uh, in Tallahassee about doing away with 
with the ethanol gas because of the number of complaints, mostly from commercial people. Uh, what's the as, as this is your 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 area? What's your feeling on this stuff? I can tell you that that is not going to happen. Uh, you, you have to have an octane in the gasoline so you don't have pre-ignition issues. There are other chemicals that you can use as octane, but they're more expensive. Ethanol cheapen is another reason. It has a high oxygen content. And the higher the oxygen content, the cleaner the emissions are going to be coming out the tailpipe. But they're trying to increase it to 15% right now. And this is going to be bad because a lot of the... Uh, uh, equipment manufacturers say we'll void your warranty if you use 15 percent yes but the do, way yeah. that came ar- the way that came around congress mandated that 14 billion gallons of ethanol be used every year well the cars are more efficient now they get better mileage so they weren't using the 14 billion so the quick fix is well we'll just raise it to 15 percent and uh that can, it's going to be a problem uh, you know, you're familiar with the E85. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, E85, well, you have to have a yeah. Flex fuel yeah, flex fuel vehicle yeah. in order to use that. But if you're burning that, you're going to have 20 to 25% less mileage. So the incentive is there not to use it. Yeah, again, I thought it was so funny out in Nebraska on the Glidden tour that that they had they had they had E85 too. They had the regular ten percent E85 and non. And it's just 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 unusual out in the Midwest because all you saw in Nebraska was corn. Yep. <laughs> well, you have to when when you're burning E85 or any alcohol like that, it takes more of it because it has less energy. So the computer on flex fuel vehicles, it has a sensor in the tank, and it's able through the computer to determine the percentage of alcohol, and it adjusts the injector pulse width accordingly, so that it allows more fuel. If you put E85 in a regular vehicle, it's not going to run, and if it does start, it's not going to uh, run very good when it does start. Plus, you can damage it. Yeah, it, it's really it's it's one. This is one of the 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 uh, probably the least understood parts of both the industry and the hobby that that's that's out there because it is it is it's really confusing it is confusing and so many odd so many claims and rumors and stories that you know who you it who who's right it goes back to the zddp stuff in oil that was another great controversy that went on well uh, if you want to hear another joke uh, it takes 131,000 BTUs of energy to make a gallon of ethanol. There's only 77,000 BTUs in a gallon of ethanol. So it's a loser. Yeah. And it's the government subsidies that are keeping it exactly. afloat. Exactly. You are 100% correct. And what's funny, again, out in, out in Nebraska, you talk, when we were talking to some of the guys that live out in the Midwest, they don't even use the stuff. <laughs> Well, well you know, also, I get a lot of <laughs> questions on, well, you hear this, well, it, it causes an engine to run lean, which can damage the engine, and especially on classic cars, because the carburetor on those cars was calibrated to run on the energy level of gasoline. Yeah. And the same amount of air is going to go into the engine. If you reduce the amount of energy going in, you're actually leaning it out. And a lean fuel mixture, as you know, is a hot Hot, mixture, yeah, it runs and hot. And burns the valves and does the damage to the engine. And that, uh, that same thing is true on your weed whackers and chainsaws. They're all calibrated for the energy level of gasoline. Sure, 13 to 1. Yeah, it, it, it's one of those really, really, really un, 
you know, there's just so much stuff out there. But like I said, if, again, your website where people can go. I'm going to go and 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 look uh, and 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 look and read the stuff on your website. But uh, again, is is it B E L or B L L? It's B E L L. Okay. Just yeah, like that. What you're going yeah. to find, you, you had mentioned all the misinformation. What you're going to find on this site, what we have done is we have researched all of this. And it, what you can do is you can figure out, you can find out the facts. You can find out the truth about everything. You will find it on that website. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, it's worth looking into. And, and uh, uh, you know, we'll... We'll probably buy some and 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 try some, but it's not available I- anywhere other than just from the company, right? Well, we have we have uh, five hundred between five and six hundred Ace Hardwoods that carry it. Ace, uh, okay. The, the, yeah, but there's there's about fifteen hundred Ace Hardware stores, so not all of them. Ace Hardware stores don't all have the same merchandise. Uh, they're able to get whatever they want. We purposely do not want to be on the shelf in your discount auto parts or your auto zone because it costs so much to do that that we would end up having to cheapen the product like some of the other ones, and then we're right with them. we got a product that sells because we advertise it, but it doesn't work. And that's yeah. where most of the problems come in. I can tell you one particular, I'm not going to name them, but one particular company, uh, they said, well, we'll put them on the shelf. Uh, we want $12,500 initiation fee for every part number, every size. And then you're going to pay five fees on a monthly basis uh, for accounting and inventory control and, and everything else. When you get all done, you have no money left to put in the product. And that's why a lot of these products are mainly NAFTA. Yeah, it's it is. It's a very interesting thing, and 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 you know, we'll we'll uh, uh, if I get these questions, and after I look at your website, and I'll I'll uh, use this as a reference source if that's okay, and tell people here, you want to read a bunch of stuff about this? Here you go. You're also the uh, are you the online answer man or just the answer man? Well, what I do, my role at uh, at Bell Performance, I'm the trainer. I'm the national trainer, but what I also do. Because of my mechanical background, we get uh, we have a, a section in there that says Ask the Mechanic, and that's me. So I get these questions from all over the world, uh, from Pakistan and uh, EAU and India and all these different places. And I take those uh, emails. It's difficult because as a mechanic, and I'm sure, Steve, you know, there are a lot of questions that you have to ask when someone has a problem. And I get crazy questions. They'll say, runs rough. That's it. Runs rough. Well, okay. I probably have ten questions. I have about ten questions I need to answer. Yeah. <laughs> in okay. Order yeah. To yeah. Answer that question, but uh, I do all of that for them, and I do a lot of the training. I, I, I work with the cities and counties throughout Florida, the city of Orlando. I diagnose the fuel problems. I teach them how to to maintain their fuel. And uh, this last hurricane that we had, all the cities that I deal with, we had a hundred percent run on generators, and we had zero <laughs> failures. Everything ran good. Yeah, that's, did your, that's did your product on a commercial basis come in a, a blue can with a a yellow oval on it? No, it doesn't. Okay, I, I don't know what uh, I was thinking. Most of, of. Most of the <clears throat> products have a red label. Uh, we do we do have it in uh, we have it in quarts and pints and and gallons and fifty five gallon drums and five gallon pails. We have all, all different sizes. Well, what's but the average? Per gallon, how much per gallon do you recommend? A gallon of gas. Say Model A Model A holds ten gallons of fuel. Well, how much would I well, put the in that? Rate, the treat rate is only one ounce for ten gallons. 
One per ten. Yeah, but what I would do personally, what I would do, just for place, I'd put two ounces in there. I mean, it's cheap. It's a cheap way to treat it, and you're protecting a fuel system that you're going to have trouble getting parts for. Now, let, me ask, let me ask, along with what you're saying, can you overdose? No, you can't. Uh, what they have found out is the effective treat rate is one ounce for 10 gallons. If you use more than that, it won't hurt anything. You're just wasting your money. Okay, well, I, you know, in some ways I'd rather have that assurance than think, oh, my God, I, I put three ounces in and I'm going to yeah. blow up Christmas. I'm, yeah, yep. I, I'm one well. of the old Marvel Mystery Oil additives for the old cars with no force lubrication system. So sure, that couple and ounces of that, was, yeah. And that was mainly used as a top oil yep. you know, to, for upper cylinder lubrication, and that's a good product. Been around for a zillion million years, that thing. Okay, James, we're going to have to uh, take another break right quick. When we come back, though, I've been sitting here. The question has been gnawing on me since you mentioned it. What did Henry need that you all had to come up with the answer for? So we'll be back with James Dunst from Performance, uh, Bell Performance, right after we do a little performing on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio. And now time for the Classic Car Show. Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, Just talking to you about anti-car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been my insurer for years in this hobby and have... The top rating of all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Friends and well, we're back on the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio with Mr. James Dunce as our guest today from Bell Performance, Inc. And we highly recommend that you go to their website, check them out. Um, their additives sound fantastic. So, James, before we get too far into it again, I, I want to thank you very much for coming on and being with us. And I hope you'll consider, and the folks at Bell will consider being back on with us one of these days. Oh, you're very welcome, and I would love to be back on. Okay. Hey, I want to. Uh, he asked you a question about what did Henry want from Bell. Well, the, the problem back then is the fuel quality was very poor, and, and <laughs> yeah. mainly it, it was de- it was deposit control uh, because you had a lot of deposits that were left on spark plugs and on valves, and uh, the additives were to, to clean that uh, to clean those uh, water, up. water. The old the old, the old tune up with the spray bottle, right? 
Um, <laughs> you know, just, just for, uh, and you, I know you know this, Steve, that the Model T originally could run on pure ethanol. Yeah, it run on kerosene, uh, too. Yeah, it run on kerosene. Probably not so good. <laughs> well, my... But they didn't go very... No, I, they didn't go far. My mother told me when my, at World War II when my dad was was hurt and he was in the Army hospital and she'd go visit him and they couldn't get gas. They'd start a 36 Ford on a little gasoline and they somebody put a switch in it and they'd, they'd switch it over to kerosene once they got it moving and it got warm because you could get kerosene. <laughs> Who knows? So that was a different time. I want to ask you a couple of things. As you know, I do a lot of the antique car stuff. The, your involvement with the Glidden Tour, that, that to me is a really neat, cool tour. We talked a little bit about it, and I'd like to, to, to you know, uh, every, you mentioned Glidden Tour, and people say, oh, the paint people? That's the... Yeah. <laughs> oh, I Better homes than government. I hear that, that all the time. They never heard of Charles Glidden. <laughs> yes, I, hear, I hear that all the time. But yeah. my involvement with that program, I was a AAA employee for, for 16 years. My main job was to, to manage this nationwide auto repair competition. But one of my other functions was to go on the Glidden Tour to ride with the drivers. When we came to different towns and the media turned out, it was my job to speak to the media and do those interviews. And the second part of the job was, uh, and the, there's a lot of breakdowns, and uh, AAA's involvement five miles back of the tour, there's a flatbed waiting, uh, waiting for a call from us to come up and pick up a vehicle. And the problems, the number one problem that, that I saw was fuel problem. A lot of these cars, you know, they sit all winter long. They don't drive them that much. And when they got out there on a continuous run like that, they had fuel issues. The second biggest problem was overheating. I'm sure you're aware of that. Oh, yeah. And the, and the third one was electrical problems because whoever did the restoration, uh, where the wires went through the firewall and places like that, they didn't put grommets. And I can't tell you how many of them that we had that had electrical wiring burn up. But I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed it uh, because I got to ride with a different vehicle every day, and I got to meet a lot of people. Which was your most memorable car? Anyway, before we do that, the Glidden Tour has changed. Two clubs are involved, as well as AAA, and AAA does a great job with this. They really do, and they've been around. They they did the first one in 03, right? 1903, 04? 19, oh, actually, 1905 was the first tour. First Glidden, the Glidden, the, and, and anyway, uh, and they were always, they, they've been involved in this forever and ever. And Horses, uh, not Horses Care, better, it's Vintage now, Motor Club of America. They changed their name, BMCCA. And AACA, they alternate every other year and do this. And, and now they've settled on anything earlier than World War II. Uh, what was your most memorable car you rode in? A uh, Duesenberg. A Duesenberg? And uh, it was, I loved this car, and uh, this was a, uh, a little old lady owned this car. She's a little short, and she may still be on those tours. Her name is Pat she, Swigert. That's it. <laughs> and she would come by, and their heads would just come over the side of the Pat, Pat's going to get you for that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I en- I enjoyed those cars. And, and, you know, it's funny. When people hear the word Duesenberg, they think, wow, that's made in Germany. No, it's made in Indianapolis. Yeah, actually, and, yeah. And she's a but, she's a hoot. Pat 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 is always the dean of freshmen on the Glidden Tour. She's done it for years, and I'm and I'm the the chief chicken dance instructor. <laughs> so so we go way back doing this stuff, and 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 her her family has the Swigert Museum, which is one of the better better privately held museums in the U.S. Uh, and her her uh, uh, family 
comes from undertakers and she carries a tape measure and if she knows you're sort of a screwball when she she introduces it she takes out a tape measure and holds it up to you and says oh you're a size six <laughs> so she's a real stitch she's really funny she, she she told me that she beat out jay leno in buying that car yeah, Duesenbergs are quite the car. I have a good friend that has one, and and if he, he's well, he's a very interesting guy himself. If you walked up to him and said, "I've never ridden or driven," and one of my bucket list things is to drive a Duesenberg, he'd hand you the keys and say, "Here, you drive the next leg on the tour. Go ahead." So, <laughs> they're pretty cool stuff. So the Duesenberg, huh, was your was your favorite? I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed that because I got to meet so many different people, and we got to sit around every night. Uh, and chat with the uh, after dinner we sat around and talked about cars and I, I really enjoyed that yeah and and they give away trophies and anybody can win you don't have to have a it's not a fast thing but you turn in your time slips every day and they're the biggest one I was on were you involved in the one in, in Gettysburg no I did the Florida Birmingham and Brentford Missouri yeah, the one in Gettysburg was the biggest one. There was over 500 cars. Can you imagine? Um, wow. Yeah, it was huge. You know, speaking of that trophy, I never did figure out who, how they win that. I think it goes around where it's somebody's turn because I couldn't figure out I couldn't figure out how they scored that thing. It's supposed to be time. They they it, it? well, I, you know, how how much time the day took you and you're supposed to if you stop and and you fill up your gas, you're supposed to stop the time and then start it when you get in and how long you were lunch and all of this other stuff but um, yeah it, it, it is a lot of fun and if you ever anybody if you ever get a chance to be around a Glidden Tour if they're going to stop in your town for anything it's amazing you'll see some of the best cars you'll ever see in your life and some of the rarest ones and they drive they don't sit they go and that's better than a car show so anyway um what other parts of the old car hobby have you been involved in? We talked about the Glidden and some of the other stuff, and your stuff. Uh, that was that was mainly it. Uh, did a lot of restoration work on old parts. Uh, tried to do some casting of parts because we couldn't get them. I did a lot of that, but. Uh, well, I, I want to get back to your involvement with kids. Uh, is the hobby industry business going to sustain, in your opinion? Uh, well, the program that I uh, uh, managed actually went away a year ago. So, And that was one of the biggest tools out there to get young people interested in auto mechanics. And in that period of time, just for information, during the uh, 15 years that I ran that program, I gave away $150 million in scholarships and prizes. And so a lot of these young kids went to school... Uh, places like UTI and Lincoln Technical Institute, places like that, it didn't cost them a dime. And it was the donation by these schools uh, to the competition, and then we passed them out to the winners. And that was the Ford, the the thing with well, Ford. It start, it, yeah, it started out. It was the Plymouth Troubleshooting Contest. Sure, it was started in 1949 because uh, uh, Chrysler wanted to get young people involved in it. But I'm, I won't go through the whole thing, but. Uh, it was discontinued in 1979 because Chrysler was in trouble. They got bailed out. And uh, the guy that was running the program went to work for AAA during that period of time. And after that, uh, Chrysler wanted to start the program back up, so they got together with AAA, and it became the, four, uh, I'm sorry, the Plymouth AAA Troubleshooting Contest. 
Well, it was discontinued in the early 90s under Chrysler. I ran it for Chrysler for three years, and I tried to keep it there. Carol Shelby, at that name, he tried to help me keep it there, and it, and it didn't work. So I ended up taking it to the Ford Motor Company. And that was interesting because I ended up sitting in Henry Ford's chair at the top of his office building, uh, rode his private elevator up there, and I had 14 top execs of the Ford Motor Company. And I, and I'm sitting there going through this presentation thinking to myself, James, you better not screw this up. And about halfway through, one of their top execs stood up and said, I was a 1973 finalist in this program. At that point, I knew I had him. And it went on with Ford through this past year. Cool. Yeah, I, we we we're at Hyundai. We had a a troubleshooting contest, and and we had a world one that they did in in Korea. They sent for all over the world technicians to compete for the top technician in the world. And boy, that's hard stuff. These guys are good sure. if they get that level. And but, I did have an international event uh, that ran alongside ours. I had Argentina, Australia, Mexico, Canada, and countries like that involved. They couldn't compete against us, but it was kind of a sideshow. Plus, uh, I put together for Ford the Ultimate Master Technician Challenge. This was a program nationwide for dealerships uh, for their best technicians. And we did this on a regional basis, and we conducted those contests uh, at the same time we did the uh, Ford AAA contest. So it, I got to be in all parts of this thing. It was, it was great. Yeah, it is fun. It, it, it is fun. I took, I took our guys over to compete once or twice. Uh, anyway, I guess we don't have a lot of time left, right? We got about uh, a minute to go. I, I was just sitting here thinking, I, I'm going to uh, put my little John Deere tractor on my trailer, a couple of my weed eaters, my uh, chipper, and I'm headed to Orlando. Uh, James has made me a deal. He said he'd fix all the stuff for me that has been eaten up by ethanol. So uh, I, sh- oh, I should I be down on your front doorsteps all within about uh, 10 hours. Uh, you're welcome to come by. I'll tell you how to do it. I'll show you what you need to do, but you can do the work. We'll, uh, oh, by the way, we'll be in Orlando next week for the Buzzard's Breath Touring Region. We'll be in Winter Park. Um, so we're going to drive our Avanti down for that. So if you're out riding around and come by the uh, up in Winter Park, at the, I think it's the Embassy Suites up there is where we're going to be for a week. So is that a 64 Avanti? Uh, yeah, early one, and and uh, and we'll, there'll be a bunch of us up there. Well, I, anyway, before we go, tell us a little quick again the the website and and contact information before you get out of here. Uh, best thing to do is go to bellperformance dot com. Also, I can be reached uh, at at Bell Performance at four zero seven eight three one five zero two one. Again, four zero seven eight three one five zero two one. I'm happy to answer any questions uh, that are put to me. But uh, bellperformance.com is the best place to find it. And everything that we talked about today, except from some of my past, all of that's going to be on that site. James, uh, I want to thank you for being on the Classic Car Show. As we say here, we got to put the plug in the jug, get out of here. We'll be back next week on the Classic Car Show. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about anti-car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? 
All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.